Well, yeah, sure it is. A, uh, it's a Monday night, so it can mean only one thing here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is time for the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. Yeah, John Pincus will be taking the phone calls, answering all your wonderful questions here tonight. By the way, phone lines already open. How about that? 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, and help at employmenthour.com. We want to send an email over. We'd love to get those today. We will get to the Ten Commandments of Termination. This is an excellent list we compiled some time ago. We'll get into those and some of your emails and maybe uh, get into workplace harassment if we have time between the phone calls. But as mentioned, you have questions about your job or employment in general. You're uh, possibly an employee or an employer. It doesn't matter. Feel free to call us here tonight. John will take your uh, your questions and answer them and get you on the road to education like we have been doing for so many years are, uh, here on the Employment Hour. So, uh have at her. Let it begin. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Lines are open. And to begin the show, as always, brother, we start with the uh, the week that was. What's going on in your world? Well, lots of interesting issues coming my way, and I'll share them tonight with our mm-hmm. listeners. And if they ring any bells or if you have any other issues that are similar or not similar, give us a call and call for your dad, call for your friend, call for your mom, and uh, don't be shy. So just to get us started here, talking about a first situation was... A gentleman earlier last week, actually, who came to me with a termination letter he'd received after only working for about a year for a large retail chain. He was a salesperson, fairly young, in his 40s, good education, uh, and the company terminated his position without cause. Basically, they're reducing the size of his sale team. So they offered him three months severance pay. Now, most people who give me a call are calling because they wish to negotiate their severance package. And here, the severance package was arguably at least, it was arguably at least close to what he was owed mm-hmm. under the law. But that's not why he came to speak to me. The reason he called was that he was worried about his non-competition clause. Right. You see, when he joined the company, they forced him to sign a series of agreements on confidentiality and non-solicitation and non-competition. And the non-solicitation clause he wasn't too worried about because he wasn't trying to steal the company's business. And, of course, this clause also said he couldn't steal their employees, etc. Uh, but he, what he was worried about was the non-compete because the non-compete said – He couldn't work for any retail companies that even indirectly compete with this retail company, which was a huge slew of companies within 60 kilometers of where he was based out of, which, by the way, was Mississauga, uh, for a year. And what he told me is, look, John, this is a death sentence for me for the next year. If I I can't work for retail companies, I'm not going to work. That's that's where all my experience is. And so I told him, well, I think your non-compete clause is likely non-enforceable, uh, but that's going to be cold comfort because, the first thi- because, first of all, you're going to have to assume that the company will sue you if you breach it, right. and they will start by bringing an injunction, and you'll have to pay for a lawyer for all of that, and that's really, really expensive. And second, you're going to have to disclose this non-compete clause to all prospective employers who might be impacted by it. So I, I, told, the, I told him that, look, we have to give the company two options here. They can either waive your non-compete or they can pay you a severance package that, impa- that reflects the impact that this clause is going to have on your job search. And, and the law recognizes that. And so this gentleman could end up getting double, triple, even quadruple what they're offering him right now because uh, they, they recognize that he's going to have a more difficult um, job search as a result. So we're going to be engaging the company for these discussions. And one way or another, I'm confident that we're going to find a solution that makes sense here. So a lesson for employees is that, you know, before you sign any non-compete, just ensure that you read it over carefully and, and of course, speak to a lawyer. Because a non-compete can really put you in a terrible situation uh, if you're let go or even if you resign. 
Uh, and the other thing that I'd just point out here is that if you have some situation that's going to prevent you from finding employment uh, after you've been let go, maybe you have a medical condition, maybe you live in a very remote community, or maybe you have this kind of agreement. Let's talk about that because your severance entitlements might be higher than normal. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The lines are uh, starting to become active. We'll get to your calls here in just a moment. Mike, I see you there. Hang on. We'll get to you. And you have plenty of time as well since we just uh, started the show for the evening. What else So, uh, what else you got in your mind, pal? Well, uh, before I get to Mike, I'll just talk about a second situation here, yep. uh, which is uh, an, an older woman uh, who called me who'd been employed for a manufacturing company for over 20 years, uh, working right on the line. So she'd been suffering from a medical condition that forces her to take a high amount of washroom breaks. And she did submit a doctor's note, and her doctor explained the accommodations that she needed. And she takes these breaks, and someone substitutes for her on the line. But uh, lately, in about the last couple months, couple weeks uh, especially, her condition has been getting worse. And as a result, she's had to take even more breaks than usual. So what does her nice manager do? He starts issuing her performance warnings and accusing her of time theft. So now she's forced to get more doctor's notes explaining that she needs to take these breaks, but the company's not accepting them, saying that now she's abusing the system, and eventually she's fired for cause. So she called me up, and I could hardly believe what I was hearing, uh, mm-hmm. but these things really do still happen in 2019, though, and, and this woman is, is actually not the first, and sadly, I, I doubt she will be the last. Obviously, this is not cause for dismissal and a clear human rights violation as well. You know, after 20 years and given her age and her position, uh, she was in her, her late 50s, she could quite easily be looking at up to a year and a half of her pay. Jeez. And we're going to be negotiating a severance package for her. And I expect that uh, this manager is going to have a very painful conversation with the company's higher ups and their lawyer after they've heard from me. So the lesson here is always document Anytime you need accommodations, especially if the company is giving you a hard time about it, send them a doctor's note and send it to them by email. Emails are time-stamped, they're date-stamped, they won't be able to deny that they've got them later. And if you have a medical condition and the company can accommodate you but refuses to, that's going to be a wrongful dismissal and, and potentially a human rights violation. And, and the thing, For, sorry, I was just going to mention sorry. one more thing. That the, the key thing here that that uh, really got me is they were accommodating her for a while. Right. And then after a while, they just chose not to. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. That is the number to use. We are, as promised, going to bounce over the phones right away. Michael, thanks for hanging on, fella. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. How are you today? Good, buddy. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, so I'm just wondering, uh, I am uh, in a uh, manager position, mm. and the uh, regular company became really busy. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, do they have to, uh, do I have to work over? Is it mandatory? Or can I take it as employment contract? Uh, significantly than as a constructive distance. Oh, so that's that's a, a good question. So generally speaking, when you're a manager, um, it's usually, and sometimes this is addressed in the employment agreement, but it's usually expected that you're going to have to work more than potentially just necessarily nine to five hours. And in fact, this is one of the reasons why managers who are in a truly managerial role, who, who really do it most of the time, managerial duties, managing people, budgeting, um, hiring and firing, that kind of thing, those people are actually not entitled to time and a half for hours over 44 hours. So I, I doubt that that situation would form a constructive dismissal, but it really depends. I mean, if you've if you've had very 
stringent hours and it really has been a nine to five arrangement and now uh, you're having to work a lot more hours for the same pay, it, it could arguably be a constructive dismissal. So you may want to call us. I think that this, in this case, it's probably less likely to be a constructive dis- dismissal. Yeah. But if you're not inclined to accept these changes and you're thinking of leaving, definitely give us a call before you do it. Okay, perfect. And can they force you to work uh, overtime, or you can say after the eight-hour shift that, you know what, guys, that's all for me? I think you want to be very careful about um, refusing a directive from your employer, because if you do that, they may take that as insubordination, and they may take the position that they have just cause for dismissal later. So I think the way to do it for now is to raise it as a concern, and I would maybe just send them a note uh, and say, look, I'm, I'm, why am I having to do this all of a sudden? I've only had to work such and such hours for so many years. What's changed? Just sort of flag it as a concern and then come talk to us before you, you make any decisions like that. Perfect. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate the uh, the call and uh, smartly done phoning the the show tonight. By the way, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach John. The rest of the crew one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmenthour dot com. Moving on to uh, to Peter. Hey, Peter. Thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hey, thanks for taking the call. So you no caught my attention with the thing you were talking about in terms of the non compete story yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that someone else said. So I don't really have any issue right now, but I could foresee an issue. So I'm wondering if you could share some advice. Uh, I work for a uh, like a law firm, and uh, obviously in in this type of situation uh, that I'm in uh, with corporate clients, somebody could conceivably just hire me from the agency to work for them, tenured as an employee, and then the agency would lose that company as a contract. So for that reason, I have a, a term in my employment contract that says that I can't go work for one of the clients uh, under any circumstances. Now, that's reasonable, but I'm wondering, uh, we, we, uh, we are uh, encouraged to bring on new clients. Uh, so, you know, if I'm having a, I don't know, I'm just out somewhere and I'm striking up a casual conversation, someone needs some legal help, uh, and then I bring them on uh, to the agency, uh, and then obviously, you know, now the agency has a new client, uh, would that still fall under the agency's client base if I decided to at some point just go work for this guy instead because, in fact, I brought him to the agency through my own personal network and relationships? So, so just so I understand the context here, uh, Peter, the, you're, you're working through an agency for a law firm, or these are these two different entities? So, so I, I, uh, law firm agency, uh, I'm using those words intermittently. Oh, okay. So, so I, I, I'm employed with the firm. We have corporate clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they have a sales team that uh, brings on new clients, uh, but also I've brought on a few clients myself. Uh, and the idea has been floated. Uh, I haven't uh, taken on any of them. But I'm now just wondering, given what you talked about at the start of the show, uh, would, uh, would that clause where I can't go work for one of the agency's clients still apply to me because of that history of me bringing this client onto the agency? Well, uh, that's a good question. And, and of course, it, it in part depends on the wording of the clause. But I, I can't think of a non-compete clause where that wouldn't fall under the purview of that clause. So generally what it says is you're going to obtain some clients, uh, you're going to be working for our clients, and you're going to get sensitive information about that. When we have a client that becomes our property uh, for a certain amount of time, we have a proprietary interest in that client. So for the next, you know, whatever it says, 12 months, six months, 
whatever it is, you cannot work for that particular client. So there usually isn't a carve out just because you've brought that client in yourself. And if you wanted that to be an exception, you would have to pretty much negotiate that with the with the law firm. So what I would recommend you to do in the event that you decide you want to leave, um, talk to the employer. Often what I ta- what often what I do in these situations when people come to me for advice and they say, I want to leave this company, I've got this non-compete, how do I get out of it, is you try and offer the company something. Maybe you're only obligated to give four weeks notice under the contract, but maybe you can give longer notice. Maybe you can offer to help with the, offer to help with the transition. And in exchange, uh, maybe the company will allow you to work for this company. And I often negotiate that quite successfully. So yes, the clause probably does cover that, but that doesn't mean that all hope is lost if you want to work for that company. You should consider having an open discussion with them at the time if, if you ever want to leave. Interesting. Okay, no, that's, that's all I wanted to know. I, I thought maybe there was some kind of a loophole, uh, you know, difference between a client that they brought in through their own investment and sales effort mm-hmm. uh, versus one that came to my own personal network. Likely not. Likely no loophole, but that doesn't mean no hope. So uh, if you do end up in that situation, do give us a call and we can help walk you through it. Peter, appreciate uh, your contribution to the show tonight. Already the uh, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach out, get a hold of John Lee or the rest of the team. Do so help at employmenthour.com. We'll take our first break of the night. It's uh, one of only two, so you got lots of time to call us four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell or one triple eight two two five. Talk that number is toll free. It's the Employment Hour right here, Global News Radio. And a good start to everything there. John Pickett's covering the show tonight. All of your questions, 416-870-6400, star 640. On your cell or one triple eight two two five talk That is toll-free. I'd like to call in and ask your questions for the remaining time. Here on the Monday night edition, you'll have the Wednesday night edition at 7 o'clock as well. And then uh, weekend edition, and you have employment hour uh, in 30. That is happening on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings as well on Global TV and CTV. So we are... All over this topic like a hobo and a ham sandwich. But revisiting the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, I am going to read these quite biblically as you wrote them, John, and uh, you're going to answer them. How does that sound? Sounds good. That's the way they were meant to be read. (laughs) That's right, right? Uh, First one is this. Thou shalt think about termination when accepting a new job. Yes, thou shalt think about termination because... Uh, when you accept a new job, often what you are going to be asked to sign, although not always, uh, is an employment contract. And if you are so fortunate to be given a new job on a handshake, uh, consider yourself fortunate because that is usually the best employment contract that you can get. If you're getting an employment contract, you have to start thinking, okay, first of all, is there going to be a termination clause? Like we've been talking about a lot tonight, mm-hmm. we have to look at whether there's going to be a non-compete clause, a non-solicitation clause. And a lot of times you have to negotiate these things. Uh, it, it will always depend. It'll depend on how much they want you as an employee. But don't feel shy about negotiating these things uh, if, if you need to. Because remember, especially when it comes to things like termination clauses, I have a lot of people who come to me and say, well, you know what? I feel weird saying, saying anything about termination when they've just hired me. But remember that it's them who brought it up, right? It's they who are bringing it up. So all you're doing is making sure that you're looking out for your uh, job security. You know, it's funny. It's it, it, you mentioned it's it's better on a handshake, which we like to remind people every so often that mm-hmm. it's actually counterintuitive to what people think. Like handshake? No, no, no. I want a fifty-page document yeah. that feels secure. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Right? No, you you want a handshake. I mean, look, I, I've talked to the odd person who's been able to negotiate themselves 
the uh, the Royal uh, Rolls Royce of employment contracts, uh, and you know, and they get these termination provisions that give them two years pay or something, um, something really, really, um, almost absurdly generous. Um, but that is very much the exception to the rule. Yeah. And an employment contract, ninety nine percent of the time, is not there to protect you. It's there to protect the company. So just remember that. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK. That is toll-free to uh, call in, ask your questions. If this uh, this particular topic or any of the things we cover here in the Ten Commandments have you uh, scratching your head, feel free to call in and ask, ready to uh, to answer them. Number two is this, thou shalt give up your future termination rights, not give them up after you start working. Yes, thou shall not give them up, and I, I, yeah. I think uh, I think I may have given that to you as the affirmative, but of course that should be in the negative. Thou shall That's not right. give up. So I'll, I'll take responsibility for uh, for my, it's okay, my we got it. my biblical error there, John. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, you you definitely have to be careful uh, anytime you are given an employment contract in the middle of your employment. Uh, be suspicious, uh, especially if you're seeing something along the lines of. Here's a $500 bonus. Here's a $500 one-time payment. Right. Um, because a lot of times that employers do that with you, they're they're not being entirely forthright with what they're doing. And, and I see people sign these 15, 20 years into employment, and it happens all the time. It happens at big companies. It happens at small companies. Read those employment contracts. Speak to a lawyer, and you may decide not to sign it. And a lot of people say to me, well, if I don't sign it, uh, they may let me go. And and that's true. They might. But remember that the reason they're asking you to sign it is so that they can let you go without right. cause and with a crummy severance package at some point in the future. So that's the whole reason why you have to be careful. You mentioned the you know a five hundred dollar uh, one time payment or something, which you refer to legally as consideration. If they don't give you that and you sign this agreement, is it's not it's not legally binding, is it? 100%. Typically, no. If if they're not right. giving you anything of benefit and they're saying, hey, we want all these rights, but we're not going to give you anything for it, well, that's not a deal. And what the law says is. Um, if, if, you know, it's, it's like, what, what have you given to me lately? If you're not given something new, uh, for that contract, especially in the context of an employment relationship, what the law says is that just doesn't fly. You have to give them some kind of benefit. Now, unfortunately there, there isn't really a rule as to what that benefit has to be. It can really be just about anything, but if you really have not been given anything for it, then it's not going to be worth the paper it's written on. And this is why you should always speak to an employment lawyer about that. As always, the uh, phone calls four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. Get to uh, to Steve. Hi, Steve. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Good, brother. What's uh, what's in going on in your world tonight? Oh, uh, I just got a question. I a couple of colleagues of mine um, are engineers where I work, and we were discussing overtime today. And they they generally work uh, quite often. They work over forty two hours a week, and they were saying that they were told that they're not entitled to overtime because because they are engineers, mm-hmm. um, and it's something I don't know something in the law, I guess. Right. And it just didn't make sense to me. So uh, it's a good question. Um, engineers fall into a category that are exempt from a number of employment standards. And uh, overtime pay is one of them. Uh, believe it or not, they're actually also exempt from the minimum wage. They're exempt from daily rest periods, uh, wow. from public holidays. Uh, from So there, there are uh, quite a few exemptions, and you can actually find all these exemptions on the Ministry of Labor's uh, website. And basically, the, 
the reason why these exemptions exist, or at least part of the reason, is because uh, many of these people are high pay are high paid, and they have other benefits of employment, and so uh, the employers are, are given some flexibility. Uh, incidentally, uh, there's a lot of exemptions for lawyers too, so um, we we have to we have to uh, realize that. But fortunately, for most lawyers. Um, that just doesn't become an issue because usually the compensation that they receive and the kind of flexibility they have in their position uh, makes that a bit of a moot point. Okay, no, that's great. I appreciate it. No problem. It, it didn't make sense to me. I, I listen to your show all the time, and um, you know, you talk about overtime over forty-two hours, and um, I know that there's certain rules as far as you know if you have people that report to you and, and whatnot. But, I didn't think the engineers were in that, but that's good to know. I will actually let them know that. Right, and if they have any questions, um, remember that that they they have to obviously meet the definition of what an engineer is under the law. So, it, it never hurts to ask and and to look right. into it further with a lawyer if you're concerned about it. But yes, generally speaking, engineers would fall within that uh, in that exemption. Good call, Steve. Appreciate uh, you hanging with us for a few minutes there. You want to uh, get your friend to uh, to call John if they need any more information. One eight five five eight two one. 5,900. Plenty of time to call in here and ask your questions for the remainder of this hour. That's 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That number, as we uh, tout, is toll-free. Get to uh, to Bill. Hi, Bill. Good evening. Hey, how are you? Good, brother. What is going on? Well, my daughter, who is going to uh, college in September, recently put in a resignation of where she was working. Okay. And they basically jerked her around and says, "No, you can't quit. We're not. We're not accepting this." And they belittled her in front of a lot of staff, and she came home crying, like she was really upset. So, what is the law regarding a student? Because they knew she was going to college in September, you know. And my wife, she was losing her mind when my yeah. daughter came home. She didn't go in. But my wife went in the next day and put and gave the resignation. But like belittling a student. So they resigned and and they and they didn't accept the resignation. What they they just berated her. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't quit because they have major staff issues. They mm-hmm. can't keep staff. So what is the legality of that? Like, well. Well, the the truth is, there's probably not a whole lot um, that can be done in that situation. Although the, the the interesting thing is that sometimes if an employer looks at a resignation and they say, "Well, I'm not accepting your resignation," and then they terminate that employee, then there's in in some cases, as strange as it may be, there there may be a case for termination pay to be owed in that situation. But simply having a negative and unprofessional interaction with someone, as uh, disturbing as that can be, in some instances. Other than the fact that it really should impact their reputation, um, and I think that you would be free to share this experience with others um, if that's what what really happened, then um, there's not really much other – there isn't really any other consequences other than that. Now, that that should be a major consequence in and of itself, and I think that just from a – practical standpoint, this company should take pause and think about that. But from a legal perspective, um, just mistreating her upon her notice of resignation, I, I don't think that um, uh, there's there's not much that can be done there. Now, if she gave a certain working notice period uh, and they were treating her horribly in that time, then you could take the position that they have to pay her for the rest of it and she doesn't have to show up to work. Uh, but that's that's about all that I could see in that situation. 
my wife took this into her own. She wrote a very awesome letter to, because it was as a franchise, mm-hmm. and I won't name the franchise, mm-hmm. but she wrote it to that corporate place in Brampton. Mm-hmm. So, and my wife's a legal secretary, so she knows how to speak legal. So we're just waiting to hear back because this is totally unacceptable. And especially where I live in Orangeville, things like this get around to students that have Well, sure. Exactly. And that's kind of what I was getting at. I, I, I think that the biggest cost of them actually is not going to be a legal cost. It's going to be the reputational cost. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's just, I'm just more curious about the legal ramifications mm-hmm. of, you know, like it's just maybe there's no legal thing, but professionally... It was very, it was done so bad. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, fair enough. I listen yeah. to you guys all the time, and I love your show. Well, thank uh, you. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for, for calling it tonight. Yeah, basically, the unlegal term is it's a douchey thing to do. So, you know, employers should actually be a little smarter when it comes to treating students that way, for sure. Uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We're going to get to uh, to Sam. Hey, Sam, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Excellent. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I just wanted to ask a quick question. Uh, I worked for this company for a few years, and um, and they were paying me uh, like under my company name, and uh, I was working full time for them. And uh, after a few years, they told me uh, they uh, they didn't need me. Like it's not that they didn't need me. They said the work was kind of slow, so for me to stay home a few weeks, and then they would call me back. And uh, when they told me that, I, uh, they just had to hire an illegal worker, and, um, and they promised uh, this worker they were gonna they were gonna sign, give him a contract to sponsor him or something to work. They were paying him half of the uh, of the hourly rate they were paying me. Uh, so um, I just found weird why they hired this guy, and then they told me this, the work was slow, so they told me just to stay home and. Uh, and after that, they never called me back, and they never said nothing. And they had a he had an ad on, on the government website asking for people to work. Uh, he had uh, ads on the on the radio asking for people to work for this company. And um, and just after okay. all this time, I just realized the guy didn't just didn't want to call me back. Right. Okay. And how long ago did did this happen, Sam? Uh, it was about uh, two years ago. About okay. Uh, when you say about two years ago, uh, is it less than two years ago, you think, or more than two years ago? Um, uh, probably less than two years ago. Okay. So uh, the first thing that I, I would say that you have to do is um, as soon as we get off this call um, or the very uh, latest tomorrow morning, uh, you, you really should give us a call right away because you are about to pass your limitation period, and once you miss it, it's done, okay? And the limitation period in your case is, uh, it sounds like it's likely going to run from uh, two years from the date that they initially gave you that notice that they initially told you that, that you weren't going to work. And if you miss that uh, deadline, you're not going to be able to claim any compensation here. And uh, we we definitely could uh, have a situation here where you would be owed compensation. So just a few things. Now, you said you were working through a company. Uh, was this like a what, – what, what position was this? I was a carpenter. You were a carpenter. Okay. Did you have regular hours? Uh, yes, I had my regular hours. Uh, uh, every day was the same uh, nine hours I, I was working, and uh, you know right. you would pay me under my company name. Right. And uh, did you have any of your own people working for you? No. Okay. 
And uh, was your pay pretty much the same every every week? Yeah. Every okay. Two, every two weeks, the pay was exactly the same. Okay. And how long were you there for? Um, uh, two, th- two, three years. Okay. And uh, how old are you as of now? I am 47. Okay. So, I mean, this is a situation where you, you could certainly be looking at a, a severance package of three, four months of your pay. So I, I would definitely give us a call, and, and we may need to start um, to, to file a, um, a legal document right away just to make sure that you don't miss the deadline. So uh, because what this looks like is that they were treating you as an independent contractor when you were really uh, an employee or at the very least dependent on them uh, if, you're, if you're working there uh, nine hours a day and you've got regular hours. So uh, I, I think that now... One of the other things that we didn't talk about is, is whether you, you were working for anyone else. Now, were you working just for them, or were you working for others at the same time? No, I had I had other, other jobs. Uh, like, um, I had a, other builders. I was, was doing work for them, too. Okay. But, so but, we'd have to explore that in some more detail, but there's at least a, a very strong prospect that they are going to owe you compensation uh, on account of you being an employee or a dependent contractor, and you can't miss that deadline. Um, so please do give us a call right away um, yeah. so that you don't you don't miss that limitation deadline. What number can I call you? I'll give it to you right now, Sam. That number is 1-855-821-5900, Two things. Yeah, Sam is on the cusp, and he definitely sounds like a dependent contractor if he's spending that much time with that one client, right? Yeah, definitely could be, which means that his entitlements are going to be exactly the same. But, yep. uh, boy, I really hope he's, uh, I ho- I hope he's right about his estimate that it's less yeah. than two years because that would really be, uh, really be a shame uh, if he's yeah. missed the, the deadline. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell is the number to call through. you still got some time uh, in this hour to call through and have your questions uh, answered. In the meantime, revisiting the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, the next one up here on the scroll is uh, thou shall respond to any negative reviews or discipline. Indeed. Yeah, so if you get something like that, a, a disciplinary note or a negative review, this is a performance pr- improvement plan or, or, or anything like that, they're building a case to terminate your employment. Okay, so it it is very hard for an employer to uh, to fire you on the basis of performance. But if you're getting performance reviews and they're all negative and they are accusing you of failing to heed their their constructive criticism, as, as I'm sure they're going to be labeling it, mm-hmm. then that actually puts you at risk. And that puts you at risk of them having an argument that they terminated you for cause on the basis of performance. It's extremely difficult to do, but in rare circumstances, it can happen. So you have to protect yourself. Write them in emails uh, so so it's you know memorialized and so you can rely on it later if you need to and explain in very polite terms why you disagree with their comments if their comments are in fact uh, unfair. Revisiting the Ten Commandments of Termination, thou shall not commit serious workplace conduct. I mean, this one's almost a given, but no, serious uh, workplace conduct, don't do it, right? Yeah, well, we can't help you if you're guilty, right? If you if you yeah. have actually, you know, Good if call. you've come to us, and, and this does happen every so often where someone will call us and they said, well, you know, I, I've i done, you know, this and that, or I've, I've stole from the cash register, or I've, commi- uh, you know, I've con- committed fraud, and... Um, what we have to say to those people is, well, I'm sorry, but you did something really, really, really bad. Um, and unfortunately, that will disentitle you to termination pay. And it, the the worst thing is when you see it happen after someone's been working for 20, 25, 30 years, right. and they just throw it all away. Uh, so uh, although in those situations it's harder to establish cause, if the behavior is serious enough, 
uh, it, it can be just cause. And by the way, employers who are listening uh, should know that there are situations where you may be able to terminate an employee for cause. And so if you think that you have that situation, give us a call so we can make sure that you, know, you, you actually affect the termination properly. Going to get over another uh, another call here momentarily, but another one of the Ten Commandments of Termination is this. Thou shalt always keep copies of all relevant documents. You betcha. Right. So this has come up a few times this evening. Oh, you know, yeah. when we're talking yep. about email correspondence, performance reviews, employment agreements, uh, pay slips. Uh, if we're talking about overtime, like the gentleman who was calling earlier, right? So if those people didn't actually meet one of the exemptions and you wanted to claim for overtime and you're within the two-year limitation period, you've ha- you have to have records of those overtime records. Right. You can't just say, you can't just come to us and say, well, you know, I, I think I've been working 65 hours a week for the last two years. That's just not going to go very far. Uh, so that's very important. Uh, let's see if uh, yeah, Angela is ready. So we'll get to uh, to Angela's call. Hey, Angela, good evening. Hi, how are you? We are excellent. Uh, what's good. going on with you? Okay, so I'm new in business. I opened a, sm- a small salon. I'm good a hairdresser. Great. And um, I have a girl that started working for me. Mm-hmm. I'm paying her like an independent, but I don't really know the line between if she, like, how do I know if she's a dependent or an independent? Contractor. Well, it's a very, very cool. important question. Yeah, it's a very important question, Angela. And and, and people call me uh, quite frequently to to answer this exact question. And there's a a, a series of. Uh, inquiries that I would make with you, and some of those were the things that I, I talked about earlier with the previous gentleman about, you know, are, are, is, is this someone who's hiring their own people? Um, are they working regular hours? And you really have two options here, as, as I see it. The, your, your first option is to recognize that you have an actual employee, you're going to need to make source deductions, and you're going to need to recognize that this person's going to have all the rights as an employee. If you don't want to do that, then you actually ha- you actually have to structure it as an independent contractor relationship. You have to give them all the freedoms and all the rights that are accompanied with them being able to conduct business on their own. And that means you're going to have very limited control over them, uh, if at all. So uh, that's a choice that you have to make. Pardon? That is kind of how we're doing it now, but she's not working that many hours right now. Okay. It might, it might change as she grows and her business grows. We may. I don't know. Like, is there a limit of hours that determine? No, it's not about job? hours, right? Because you can have part-time employees, and you can have part-time. Or you can have people who work on an independent contractor basis for just a few hours every week. What the question here is, is who's in business for who, right? Is this person you've hired, are they in business for you or are they in business for themselves? And and that's a question that has a whole cascade of uh, supporting questions that we would really want to go through through a consultation to make sure that you're protected, at least from an employment law perspective. Got it. So, Angela, I would suggest a phone call tomorrow or sometime this week to John and, uh, you know, get through it and hash some of that out before um, before mm-hmm. there could be a, pretty serious implications uh, in that regard. You want to call one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if Angela's got this this, uh, we'll call them employee at this point, working for her for five, six, seven, eight years. It turns around that uh, you know there's tax implications, and she was actually an employee this whole time. That could be a big bowl of wrong. Right? Yeah, it, and some a lot of employers simply just don't know. They don't right. know 
uh, what differentiates an employer, uh, a, a dependent contractor or an independent contractor from an employee. And when it comes to employees versus independent contractors, this uh, idea that it depends on the number of hours is a very, very common misconception among yeah. employers and employees. Uh, Angela's not the first person who's had the, who's, who's made that assumption, and, and I'm sure she won't, uh, won't be the last. And that's why it's important to walk through this with, uh, with an employment lawyer. Probably won't get to all these tonight, but we'll pick it up again uh, for the remainder. That is revisiting the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. We'll get to this one. Now shall not get advice from your neighbor Steve or Jim or Gord or Angela or Lisa. For and, that and nothing against your neighbor Steve. I have a no. neighbor who's named Steve, and he's actually a wonderful guy. Yeah, he's uh, always got a fridge full of beer. He's a good guy. Yeah, but yeah. Employment advice, no. He's a good guy, <laughs> but people don't go to Steve for employment advice. No, uh, you know, Steve, if Steve's, uh, unless Steve's an employment lawyer, right? If Steve's an employment lawyer, that's different. Then you can get advice from Steve, right? So if your if your neighbor is uh, Steve Gilman at at uh, St Law, you can get advice from that Steve. Right. But otherwise. Get advice, in all seriousness, get advice from an employment lawyer uh, because if, if it's Steve who's an engineer, uh, then that is not the kind of person who's going to be able to give you employment law advice. Um, and a lot of people will come to us and say, well, you know, my uncle told me that uh, the law says... Because he was all- fired once. Yeah, yeah. and the, he was fired once, and all they had to do is pay him eight weeks. And, uh, you know, they said that they didn't have to pay him overtime and all these things, and yeah. this is when you need to go to an employment lawyer. And that's what it is. A lot of people hear this advice and their neighbor C will say, no, no, man, it's a week or two weeks per year. How do you not know that? That's normal. That's standard, which is wrong. Big bull wrong, right? Give us a call in 15 minutes. Uh, we, yeah. can, we can tell you whether your, your uncle has, give, has led you astray. Yeah. We'll, go, we'll wrap up with this one for tonight. One of the Ten Commandments of Termination. Now she'll use the severance pay calculator or call ST Law. Good way to wrap it up, right? Yes, a very good way to wrap it up. Uh, the severance calculator is free. It's easy to use. It takes at most a couple of minutes. Uh, yep. Often you can complete it in seconds. It gives you the range of your severance entitlements, gives you a sense of how much you're likely to be owed based on the information you put in, and then you can give us a call and we can talk about it in more detail. It's a great tool. saves people tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars all the time. Good way to wrap it up tonight, brother. Back here on Wednesday night. A reminder that it's going to be 7 o'clock, have the weekend shows, and then uh, Employment Hour and 30 on Global TV and CTV as well. That is on your weekend mornings. You want to reach out, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. Don't go anywhere. Peter Sherman is back with On Point right here on Global News Radio. Stick around.